You are now listening to Zekaic Podcast, proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. For our meditation this Sunday, let us open our Bibles in the book of 1 Samuel, a continuation of the narrative that was started last Sunday by Pastor John Ray Perez. And so this time, 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning with verse 11 up to verse 36, but we will only read verses 11 up to verse 26, and then I will explain further and tell you and relate to you the story that would follow verse 26. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. The word of the Lord says, Then Elkanah went back home to Ramah, but the boy was serving the Lord under the supervision of Eli the priest. The sons of Eli were wicked men. They did not recognize the Lord's authority. Now the priest would always treat the people in the following way. Whenever anyone was making a sacrifice, while the meat was boiling, the priest attendant would come with a three-pronged three fork in his hand. He would job it in the basin, kettle, cauldron, or pot, and everything that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they used to do to all the Israelites when they came to Shiloh. Even before they burnt the path, fat, the priest attendant would come and say to the person who was making the sacrifice, Hand over some meat for the priest to roast. He won't take boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the, if the individual said to him, First, let the fat be burned away, and then take for yourself whatever you wish. He would say, no, hand it over right now. If you don't, I will take it forcibly. The sin of these young men were very great in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord. The boy was dressed in linen ephod. His mother used to make him a small robe and bring it up to him at irregular intervals when she would go up with her husband to make the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord raise up for your descendants from this woman to replace the one that she dedicated to the Lord. Then they would go to their home. So the Lord graciously attended to Hannah, and she was able to conceive and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. The boy Samuel grew up at the Lord's sanctuary. Now Eli was very old. He heard about that everything that his sons used to do to all the people of Israel and how they used to have sex with the women who were stationed at the entrance to the tent meeting. He said to them, Why do you behave in this way? For I hear about these evil things from all those people. This ought not to be, my sons. For the report that I hear circulating among the Lord's people is not good. If a man sins against a man, one may appeal to God and on his behalf. But if a man sins against the Lord, who then will intercede for him? But Eli's sons would not listen to their father, for the Lord had decided to kill them. Now the boy Samuel was growing up and finding favor both with the Lord and with the people. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Before we delve into the text and look at the lessons that God has in store for us, I want us to listen to the song that has been prepared for us by the praise team. 
happened? What did just happen? I believe you don't like the, the song and how it was sung. You know, the song itself is wonderful, but the way it was sung, it is out of tune. You wouldn't like joining a team that sings a song along with the instruments in a very bad tune. It's out of tune. Nobody likes it. It should have been this way. started playing the music and while the instruments are being played you felt wow this is a wonderful moment of worship I would like to lift my voice and my heart to the Lord and when and suddenly the singer started the song leader started the first verse and then it was not hitting the note and then he went to the second line and the third line and he did the same thing it all ruined the worship we don't like to join in singing if it is out of tune. We love a song. We love singing. But whenever it is out of tune, we don't like. It is irritating to the ear, actually. You know what? As I was pondering about this reality that are happening around us, there is a moment where I stop and pause for a moment and I said, hmm, there are really instances in a human life wherein we live our lives, our ways, our actions won't display actually the way God intends it. As I look at the text that we read earlier, I, I realize that there are some actions that the children of Eli did, actions that were not supposedly be done by these people because they were priests. They belonged to the Levitical line of the Israelites. They were given the task by the Lord to lead the people to worship him, to honor him. These are individuals that were chosen by God to lead the people in worship. But what was happening back then? In, I, in my observation of the passage, I saw some scenarios here that were so ugly that actually when I look at their experiences, at the things that they did, I was able to say, my, these priests were actually out of tune. Their lives are not in tune 
with God's desire for them. Their lives, their actions were not in tune with God's intentions for them. This is what they did. I want us to look at verse 12. Verse 12 right away gives us a picture about what these priests were doing. And it says there, the sons of Eli were wicked men. The sons of Eli were wicked men. And I tell you, these sons of Eli were no ordinary people. They were there at the temple. They were not only serving, assisting their father as he serves as a priest. But these individuals mentioned were also priests themselves. So you imagine about this situation. Priests who were supposedly standing before the people and bringing the people to worship God. They were, they were considered here in the passage as wicked men. It's actually the opposite of what is expected about them. You proceed. A, an additional description was given about them. It says there, they did not recognize the Lord's authority. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if these are Gentiles or these are individuals who are not serving in the temple. I wouldn't be surprised if these are ordinary people. But this is very surprising to me because these are priests. And it is a very sad picture because these individuals did not recognize the authority of God. These individuals did not submit their, themselves to the power and will of the God who called them to become priests. Their actions are actually out of tune. You look further, what did they do? If, if you read the verse after verse 12, it elaborated the things that the sons of Eli did. Every time the, the Israelites would gather for worship, for sacrifice, the Israelites would bring animals to be sacrificed. And you know what this priest did? When the animals were slaughtered, the meat of the animals would be placed in a certain container and then it would be boiled. While the meat are boiling, this, the servants of the priest would go to the one who is facilitating the ceremony. And you know what, what this servant of Eli's sons will do? They will get a fork a huge fork and they will strike it jab into the container and whatever the fork would get that is declared as part as for them they get all those meat that the fork will be able to get and imagine that um it, it added further when you look at the text not only that that even before the fat part of the meat were burned you know what they did they went to the one facilitating it and they would say we, our bosses, our, our priests would like to get a raw meat from you. Don't, don't burn it yet because they want a raw from, from you. So if the one attending to it would say, no, no, we can't do that because God doesn't like that practice. The person that is sent to that person facilitating would say, no, if you won't allow me, if you won't give it to me, I am going to take it forcibly. Imagine these people sending their servants to do something that is against the Lord. They were getting parts and portions of the meat that were given to the Lord because the sacrifice is there given to the Lord. It doesn't belong to the priest. Though there are parts that are allowed for them to get, 
But it, is, it should be done later because the best part of it should go to God because God is the rightful receiver of the sacrifice. The problem is they continue doing it. They just did it. This is a form of corruption. And it is very disgusting because that corruption didn't happen in an office of the mayor, in an office of, an, of the ombudsman. It didn't happen in the office of a, in the barangay hall. It didn't happen in an office of a certain businessman out there. It happened right inside the temple. It is very disgusting because it wasn't done by a politician. It is very disgusting because it was done, wasn't done by an ordinary citizen of a country. It was done by a priest. Somebody who is perceived to bring people to God. Somebody who is perceived to, to let people's hearts be set before the Lord. But these are individuals who initiated the corruption. Something that is really very disgusting. Don't be surprised if our city, if our nation today is filled with corruption being done by our leaders. Don't be surprised with those things. Because in the scriptures, it shows to us that corruption even happens inside the temple of the living God. It is a sad reality. Sad reality that happened back then, done by the sons of of Eli a disgusting picture and you know what the scriptures even describe them further in verse 17 the sin of this young man was very great in the Lord's sight for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt that's disgusting as I have told you earlier and then added to that later Eli grew uh, Eli became an old person already, a very old one. And you know what did they, what, what happened? His sons continued sinning. And if I describe to you a corruption that is already disgusting in the sight of the readers today, listen to what they did. If you look at verses 22 onwards, now Eli was very old when he heard about everything that his sons used to do to all the people of Israel. And how they used to have sex with the women who were stationed at the entrance to the tent of meeting. What an ugly picture it was. A picture that is participated by God's servant. These are, these are individuals who are supposed to do things that are right and correct. Inclined to the will and purpose of God for them. But these individuals were practicing something that was actually out of tune. Not in tune with God's will. Not in tune with God's purpose. And I, they just did this. Where did they do this? They didn't do this in a hotel. They did not commit this thing in a motel. They did not participate in this kind of act in a pension house. Or somewhere else out there. But they did all of these disgusting things at the temple. What a shame it should have been for these people. They did these things in the temple. And some Bible scholars would even say that these women were not prostitutes. 
They were volunteers at the temple of God. They were serving the Lord. Some of them probably just gave in to what these priests were asking from them. But you know what? Some of them, if not, if not some, many of them, many of them resisted it. But they couldn't do anything because these people in authority used their power to abuse these women. What an ugly picture it was done in a temple by people who were called servants of the Most High God. They did all of this. They did not respect God. They treated the offerings of God with contempt. They were out of tune. And now they had sex with women as, who are serving as volunteers in the temple. They were totally out of tune. When Eli heard of these things, he gathered his sons, his two sons, and he told them, the news that I have been hearing from the people of Israel is really something that is disgusting and so bad. Why have you done this? Stop doing this. It's natural for a parent to reprimand his children. Because as a parent, we would like our children to walk straightly. We want them to follow straightly the manners that God has set in front of them. We want them to follow the intentions that God has set for their lives. As a parent, we naturally correct our children. But what happened here is this. Something that the parent would feel so bad and discouraged about. Because if you look at verse 25, Eli continued saying these words to them. If a man sins against a man, one may appeal to God. To God on his behalf. But if a man sins against the Lord, who then will intercede for him? And listen to how his sons responded. But Eli's sons would not listen to their father. One of the worst things that a parent would experience is that when he begins seeing that his children are going to a direction that is going to destroy them. A direction that would cause their downfall. A direction that would lead them to destruction. If a parent is seeing this in the lives of their children, a parent would get into the picture and the parent would say, Stop. I don't like you to go astray. I don't like you to go towards that direction because I already see the destruction that is waiting ahead of you. That's natural for a parent. But one of the most painful things that a parent would experience is when he advises his children and his children would never listen to him. I believe Eli tried his very best to try. I believe, maybe not his best, but I believe he tried raising his children in a manner that he desired and got according to God's intention. He's a priest after all. He knew by heart what are the statutes of God. He was serving at the temple. He knew God. Don't you think his children don't know God? I think they knew God. In fact, if you look at verse 11 in different translations, some of the translations are saying that um, the children of Eli, if you look at verse 11, verse 12 I mean, Eli's sons were scoundrels and then the words described to them was like this, they had no regard for the Lord. The, the New English translation says they did not submit or recognize the authority of God. 
But in other translations, like ESV, it says, they did not know the Lord. Take note of that. NASB uses the same line. They did not know the Lord. And also King James, they knew not the Lord. So if you imagine these translations, how they captured the idea that is conveyed, don't they really know the Lord? Eli's sons? I don't think so. They knew the Lord. That is why I followed the translation of the NET or New English Translations that says they did not submit or recognize the authority of God. Because they knew the Lord. They served at the temple. They were sons of a priest. They were serving as priests. They knew God. They knew what God desires. They knew the tune of God. And yet they, dis- they, they really blatantly disobey what God wants for them. They blatantly followed the desire of their flesh. This is again a very disgusting picture of the temple back then. It is a sad story. It is a sad story. That is why later a man of God was sent to Eli. And the man of God said to him, you know what? You did not take care or you did not value the grace of God displayed to you out of Egypt. God chose your your family, the Levites. God chose you to serve him. God chose you to bring the people into worshiping God. God chose you by his grace. He didn't see something good among the Levites. That's why he chose them. He didn't see any special skills from the Levites, but God just chose them. It was out of his grace that he chose these people. But these individuals, Eli's family, did not value that grace that God has displayed to them. And that is why the man of God told him, your service to the Lord is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. It was an ugly picture, a disgusting picture of what was happening back then in the temple. But I have been telling you only half of the story. Because what was happening, the one I related to you is only half of the story. Because the text involves another person. Actually, if you look at chapters 1 and 2, go and look at the entire story. You would notice the, the, what is this, the literary feature that the author displayed there wherein there is a contrast between the sons of Eli and this young boy. The son of Hannah and Elkanah. And the text tells us, if you look at verse 11, verse 11 right away describes something like this. Then Elkanah went back home to Ramah, but the boy was serving the Lord under the supervision of Eli, the priest. Who is this boy? It's Samuel. Samuel was there already serving the Lord. How young was this guy? Why was he described as a boy? If you go back to the previous chapter, you know, Elkanah went to the temple and then before leaving the home, Hannah told him, darling, my husband, I won't go with you this time until this boy is wind already and then we, I will go there to offer this boy as I have promised to the Lord. And you know what? During those days, they would win a baby in around three years old already. So this time that Samuel was already at the temple, Probably he was between three-year-old and four-year-old. A very young boy, younger than my son. He was already left there at the temple 
to serve the Lord. And verse 11 clearly states that the Lord, uh, Samuel was serving the Lord under the supervision of Eli. This boy, as young as he was, was already there to serve the Lord. And it is right away contrasted in the following verse. You would read verse 12. If Samuel was serving the Lord, the sons of Eli were described as wicked men, individuals who did not recognize the authority of God. And then you continue in verse 18. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord. The boy was dressed in linen ephod. I want us to take note of this line. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord. A young boy was placed in the middle of a corrupt leaders. And yet this boy continued serving the Lord. This is an ugly picture. If you look at it from the vantage point of these individuals who were sinning, who were corrupt. And yet when you look at the picture with Samuel inside that frame, then you would realize that there is something that God was doing in the midst of this ugly picture. Samuel was there. He was serving the Lord. People around him were corrupt, but he continued to serve the Lord. Priests were doing something that was disgusting, but he continued to serve the Lord. And look at what he was wearing here in verse 18. The boy was dressed in a linen ephod. This dress actually is a kind of garment that only priests wear. So as young as he was, he may not be serving as a priest right away, but he had that kind of dress that speaks about the, the priesthood. And it is a wonderful picture to see that in the midst of this dark situation, in the midst of this corrupt situation, there is someone, a little boy, who was serving the Lord. And the story went on. That is why when, when Eli confronted his children, you know what happened? Samuel was described still as somebody who was serving the Lord. That is why if you look at verse 21. So the Lord graciously attended to Hannah and she was able to conceive and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Listen, the boy Samuel grew up at the Lord's sanctuary. This is a very challenging situation. You were placed at the temple at a very young age. You don't see an, a, a very concrete examples from the adults around you. And yet Samuel continued serving the Lord. Continued to be preserved by the Lord. It was a challenge. The boy Samuel grew up at the Lord's sanctuary. And as Eli confronted his children, when he advised them, you stop this thing that you have been doing. And their, his children didn't listen to him. Listen, that was in verse 25. You look at verse 26. Now the boy Samuel was growing up and finding favor both with the Lord and the people. Imagine that. As the sons of Eli were doing all these things, Samuel was on the other side of the spectrum. He was living a life that is in tune with God. As the children of Eli were living their lives in a form of 
like it was actually a direct disobedience of what God desires. They were out of tune. But there is someone, a young boy, a, who became a young man later, lived his life in tune with God's desire for him. Lived his life in tune with God's intention for him. And that is why when the man of God was, conf uh, was confronting Eli, he said this line in verse 30. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I really did say that your house and your ancestors' house would serve me forever. But now the Lord says, may it never be. For I will honor those who honor me, but those who despise me will be cursed. And as I was looking at the contrast that was portrayed by the author between Samuel and the sons of Eli, I couldn't help myself but look at the picture when the, when the Lord said these words, I will honor those who honor me, I can picture the young Samuel. He, he's going to be honored by God. And I can picture the sons of Eli when he said, I will despise those who curse me. They fall on that frame. They fall on that picture. And yet Samuel will be honored by God because he honored God. And the, the, the passage continued. When you look at verse 35, there is a Beautiful, a ray of light in the picture that was portrayed here happening in the temple. And verse 35 says, Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. He will do what is in my heart and soul. You know what God was saying here? I have seen the corruption of Eli's sons. I have seen the disgusting, immoral things that they did inside the temple. I have been watching them and they have never done what was in my heart. But I'm going to raise a priest. Someone who will do what is in my heart. And I can picture Samuel as a young man doing those things that God desired for him to do. In the immediate context, you would see Samuel as the priest that God is shaping, that God is forming. In the, in the following chapters, you would see Zadok doing what God has intended. But ultimately, when you look at the New Testament, you would see Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ standing as somebody who did the will and the heart of God. You know, something that I have learned, there is a very huge thing that I have learned out of this passage. And I believe this is something that you and I need to embrace also. Because the truth of the matter, some, some preachers, interpreters of the word would say, um, we should imitate how, uh, we should take note of how Samuel was raised, how he had, well, he was able to develop that heart that is in tune with God. But as I was looking at the text, it is actually not looking at that direction right away because you could not have several hints how he developed that kind of heart. I can say that his mother was a very prayerful one. I can say that his father was showing an example of going to the temple on a regular basis, worshiping God. I can say that his mom was true to her word. That when, when God fulfilled what she desired, she also fulfilled her promise to the Lord that she's going to offer the son that she would have. I can see all those things. But you know, Samuel was placed inside a temple where there were corrupt people. 
So I'm not actually sure how Samuel was preserved in the midst of corruption. But one thing I have seen in this text is this. God delights in the heart that is in tune with him. God delights in the heart that is in tune with him. And it is clearly revealed in the text as he contrasted, the author contrasted Samuel before the sons of Eli. God delights in the heart of Samuel. God delights in the life of Samuel. And the reason for that is because Samuel's heart was in tune with God. My friends, I think in the midst of this calamity where we are in today, we are so disgusted of the many things that were being done by our leaders, by those who are in authority. I have seen and heard people complaining about it. Corruptions are taking place just anywhere. Mention an office and there is a corruption that is happening there. It is a very disgusting picture. How can these people do such a corrupt thing in the midst of a calamity where there are people dying? When there are people complaining they are in need, they can still stomach doing corruption in the midst of this calamity. How can that happen? That's very disgusting. But I think that the challenge for the believers is how do we remain in tune in the heart of God when the rest around us are dancing in the music in an out-of-tune manner, are singing the notes in an out-of-tune manner. You can see corruption, it's out of tune. You can see people stepping on another's life, it is out of tune of God's will. You can see someone just destroying another person, that's an out-of-tune way of life and way of living. And a challenge for every one of us in the, in the midst of this trying moment, how do we stay in tune in the midst of the people who are out of tune? Samuel was placed there in the temple. The sons of Eli, who were supposed to be giving him a concrete example of what it means to live as a priest and how to bring the people to worship God, instead of doing that, they were drawing people away from God. And what happened was that they became a stumbling block before the Israelites. How did Samuel become somebody who stand or who continued to live a life that is in tune with God? Let us evaluate ourselves out of this message of the Lord for us. Is our heart in tune with God? Because if it is out of tune, then there's something that we need to do. There is something that we need to take as an action to go back to the heart of worship and that when we realize how is our standing before God, I pray that we would resolve to do something and we will make sure that we are in tune with God. Because again, God delights in the heart that is in tune with Him. God bless us all and a blessed day to all. You just heard a message from Zamboanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zika Ministries. God bless!